what you have in your bulletin today, stuffed by quite a few generous uh, impromptu volunteers outside, out front, is the annual parish financial report for your benefit. It's usually around November or December that you get it. Um, You might have noticed back in October that the ushers were counting how many people were here at church during the homily. Uh, The diocese asked us to do that three weekends in a row so that they have um, a fairly accurate count um, to be able to assess how we are um, actually taxed for the sake of um, keeping the the Arlington Catholic Herald in print. Um, It also gave us an opportunity to take stock of really how many people are we. Turns out, on, the, on those Sundays of October, the average Sunday attendance was 1,287 people, uh, which is not that many. I, I had expected more, but it's good to know, because um, that, that's a baseline to, to grow or to compare from year to year. So in, in similar fashion, um, you have some, some numbers here in my summary of the parish report to help you compare uh, where we are to previous years. Please read it. I won't read it to you right now, um, but just a few comments. Um, the good news about our having, on average, 1,287 people at Mass is that means, on average, each of us gives $1,200 a year to the church. Um, each individual, not each family, each individual. Um, now, we have about 4,800 registered parishioners um, unfortunately, um, over about 2,500 of them give nothing to the church. Um, and as much as it was a good year this year, and as much as some people might think that, well, those parishioners who make seven figures annually, they should just keep everything going, right? But what concerns me are the great number of families where um, it's really just uh, a few dollars a week when I know that we spend more than that on our own entertainment. Um, So what I'd encourage you to do is take stock of your spending, first of all. Take take stock of your spending. Um, Are there ways that we um, just waste money um, on things that don't matter, on things that don't have any um, benefit? It's, it, we're, all of us, we have to admit, we're all wealthy enough that we are all, we all should be grateful that we're able to live here. But all of us also know people who are that much more wealthy that we easily consider ourselves of modest means. So what I'd like you to do is also take stock of your giving, regardless of how much we make. Everyone, um, everyone is, is called to be generous. Um, if 10% of our income isn't given away to charity, we should try to make it so. doesn't mean it all goes to the same place. And as, we, as we're more deliberate about it, we also then change um, that spending that we do on ourselves. And that spending that doesn't really amount to much. when we consider how important um, our salvation is, 
um, and realize there's nothing more important than our salvation, we will very easily, it's a few steps, but we'll easily come to the conclusion that there's no thing on earth more important than the church that Christ founded. And we're only a few steps away from realizing that the church then isn't just um, for our benefit. It's also the way in which we are participating in the work of Christ on earth. So please um, take a look at the numbers, take a look at my words, and, um, and consider how next year can be even better than this year. In the confessional today, with the luxury of having um, not too many in line at any given time, um, I was able to, to parse out for quite a few of the penitents um, a similar question about prayer. How much do you pray on average each day? And let's, let's take a step back and think, okay, that, that would be good for, for someone of how many years of age? Four, ten, maybe. That's the average person. Our average prayer of, you know, a few minutes of prayer at the end of the day, that's what we probably were doing when we were five years old. That's not everybody, but that's the, the median, right? So let's, what's the next step? What's the next step that God is asking us to do might be, all right, that, that amount of prayer, which I don't even do every day, let's do it every day. Now let's already think about the next step. What will be the next step after that? Maybe I'll take it up with my New Year's resolutions. And the next step after that, maybe I'll take it up with Lent. And, and deliberately plan out what are my next steps closer to God? How do I, how do I grow closer to Him in prayer? Because if we don't have a plan, it will never happen. And if we don't think more than one step ahead, we'll take one step, and then what will happen? We'll slide back, right? I can lose five pounds, but if I don't have the resolution immediately to lose another five pounds, I slide back. So take advantage of Advent and the end of the year and the beginning of a new year to be deliberate. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Rejoice, I tell you, rejoice. God gives us a command. Maybe you heard it right after our opening hymn. The introit, the words of the introit, rejoice, which gives this Sunday its nickname. The third Sunday of Advent, the pink candle Sunday, right? The Rose Vestment Sunday, we are told to rejoice, or in Latin, gaudete, rejoice. Why are, we, why are we given that command to rejoice? In the opening prayer, we pray that we experience the joys of salvation and celebrate it always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. We're even asking God to give us the grace to celebrate these mysteries joyfully. It sounds like it takes great effort to be joyful. We're given the command to rejoice, and we ask God's help to make us joyful. Well, think of this. A hundred years ago, our grandparents, maybe our great-grandparents, they would have um, observed every Friday as a day of serious penance, and they would have observed Advent as a, as a season of penance, Sundays obviously being 
the big exception. They would have taken note because church was so important and church was obviously the most beautiful building in which anyone ever was over the course of a week. That The flowers are gone and the organ's quiet and all these things are missing. What's happened over the course of 100 years? Friday has become the quintessential day to go to parties, to go to the bar, to celebrate. Instead of it being the Christian day of penance. Right? Saturday was the day that you begin to really celebrate. That's why if you observe Lent according to that uh, more ancient mentality, right, you start to break your Lenten fast on, sen- on Saturday evening. Because you know that it's, it's already Sunday. How many of us, when we celebrate things that God does, really do so joyfully? We saw a great example of that last night at the school Christmas pageant, right? Every class, all the choirs, singing Christmas songs. Now, granted, in, in, any, in any given group, there's one who seems to be a little frozen, and there's another who's, who's just staring at someone out in the crowd. But when you see the face of a little one just totally singing with, with all of her gusto, there's nothing more glorious in the world, right? It's not just cute. It's you see someone who's, who's she's filling her lungs and she's singing with all of her heart. That's, that's what it's like to rejoice. That's what it's like to to praise God and to worship him with great rejoicing. Obviously, some of us aren't great at singing. Some of us aren't great about hitting the right pitch. But but none of us should should lack in joy. Whether it be the next hymn here or the next prayer that we do together or the next prayer that you do as a family or the next prayer that you just... You, you offer up on your own. Give God all your heart. Don't just celebrate the, the things you have or the things you've been given. Celebrate how much God loves you. And try to love him in return. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.